Blessing Lord. Morning. 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 see some prayers answered. Yes, and, uh, God's still God and God yes, can still is. do that. He does still do that. Amen. I thank God for that and I know Brother Byrne does as well. I appreciate the opportunity to stand again and uh, we'll be in the Old Testament this morning in the book of Jonah. I know uh, it's, it's easy to think about Jonah, and you know, because we learn most most of us, if we went to Bible school when we were younger, uh, we had at least one lesson out of Jonah, if not an entire week worth of lessons out of Jonah. But uh, we, we we think of Jonah, and all we think of is man got swallowed up by a big fish, and that, that's all we think of. Uh, there's a whole lot to these four chapters in Jonah. Y'all say amen, I ain't going to preach all four chapters. Uh, but uh, uh, Book of Jonah, is a, there's a whole lot more to it than just, you know, God performed a miracle. He did, and we know what that miracle uh, was. Uh, but but there, there's more to it than just Jonah getting swallowed up by a big fish. In Jonah chapter 1, we find uh, that uh, Jonah is... Uh, son of a prophet named Amittai. And this uh, this can also be found in 2 Kings chapter 14, uh, where Jonah, son of Amittai, a prophet. Uh, so this, this confirms to us, thank you, sir. Uh, this confirms to us that Jonah, uh, being a son of a prophet, was a prophet himself. Uh, and why else would God have asked Jonah to go to Nineveh? And, uh, and to preach to those people. Uh, so we, we find all this in chapter 1. Of course, he, uh, Jonah, we know the story. He don't want to do it. Uh, he's fighting against God. He don't want to go preach to that bunch of heathen Ninevites, a bunch of uh, Gentiles and uncircumcised people. This would, this would have been Jonah's thought. Uh, he didn't want to go preach to a bunch of people that were not covenant people with God. He didn't want them to be spared. And, uh, and not only that, but the Ninevites were known as a particularly brutal uh, culture. Uh, they, these were some of the people you would, whenever you were going in uh, to Nineveh, they, the roads that would lead into Nineveh, and there's archaeological digs that confirm this. Uh, these were some of the people that would take stakes and put them on the sides of the road with people's heads or entire bodies leading up to the city. This was the culture of the Ninevites, and they wanted people to know how dominant they were, and how powerful they were, and whom exactly it was that they were messing with when they were coming to the city of Nineveh, if they were coming there with ill intentions. And uh, this would have been another reason that Jonah didn't want to go preach to the Ninevites, but I, I believe his main reason was he didn't want that bunch of Gentiles to be spared. He didn't want them, uh, he didn't want them spared at all. And we, we know the story. He jumps on a uh, ship going to Tarshish instead of going the direction that he wanted to go. We know that the uh, Lord sent a storm. We know that the men that were on that ship with him, they come to Jonah and they said, we, we need you to pray. There's, there's a bad storm going on. 
and, uh, and Jonah knows exactly why this storm's going on. He knows that Almighty God is the one that sent this storm. And he tells those men, he says, throw me overboard. Throw, throw me out into the sea and you'll be right. spared. You'll be fine if you just get rid of me. So they done exactly that. And that's where we're going to pick up reading this morning. That was Jonah chapter 1 in a very small nutshell. Uh, we're going to read the last verse of chapter 1 and read the entire chapter of Jonah chapter 2, which is only 10 verses long. So Jonah uh, chapter 1 verse 17 says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward, the holy, toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou, yet hast thou brought my life, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with. The voice of thanksgiving, I will pay that, that thy vow. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And that wraps up chapter 2 of the book of Jonah. And as we briefly went through chapter 1, there just a couple of minutes ago, we know the story that leads up to God preparing a great fish. Uh, to swallow up the man Jonah says now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights and we uh, we, we know this account is true folks there's debate in the theological realm there's debate in denominations whether or not the story of Jonah is an allegory I can assure you with the authority of the word of God that this account is true there is nothing made up in it Jesus Christ himself referenced Jonah when he said just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights so shall the son of man be in the heart of the earth Jesus Christ recognized that this was a true story and if Jesus Christ recognized it as true, you and I can rest assured that this actually happened. There's people out there that will try and take this scripture of Jonah being swallowed by a fish or by a whale and say that it was, it was it's impossible for it to happen. Folks, my scripture, we read it in verse 17 of chapter 1, says that God prepared that fish to swallow Jonah. And if God prepared something to happen, I can assure you that God caused it to come to pass if God prepared this fish to swallow Jonah I can assure you that its gullet was big enough its mouth was big enough its stomach was big enough not only to swallow this man but that he might stay alive for three days and for three nights that he could pray unto God when the time came God prepared this fish and God is 
the one that made this come to be. Hallelujah. Then, in chapter 2, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. He says, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. When is then? It is after this fish had done swallowed up Jonah. Hey, folks, sometimes in our life this message is more for the church than it is for anybody else this morning. And I praise God for it, but sometimes in our life, our life will come to shambles. Our life won't seem like it's going to be wrecked or it has been wrecked. Our life is full of gloom and doom. Maybe it seems dark. Maybe it seems like there's no way out. Maybe it seems like the end of the way has finally come. But hey, even in those trials and even in those circumstances, even when the black bands of death have compassed us about, even when we're in the fish's belly, when we're thrown into the fiery furnace, no matter where we're thrown to, no matter what we're facing, we can still cry out to Almighty God and He can still hear us and He can still act on our behalf. Hallelujah! This is the God that Jonah was running from. This is the God that he was running from. Why would he have run from him? God called him to a duty. God called him to perform a service for him, for the glory of God, to the Ninevites. It wasn't a service for the Ninevites. It was to them and for the glory of Almighty God that God called him to a job to do. And Jonah ran from that job knowing who the God of Scripture was, knowing who the Hebrew God was. In fact, in chapter 1, when these men came to Jonah, he admitted to them. He said, I'm a Hebrew. I serve the God that created the seas. I serve the God that created the earth. I serve the God that created you and created me. I serve Jehovah God. Jonah was saying this in the midst of running from God. But he still recognized God for who he was. Too many times us Christians will get in the same predicament that Jonah was in. Maybe not literally swallowed by a fish. But it'll certainly seem that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we'll and we'll turn our backs on God. Yeah. We'll turn, we'll turn to one side when God is on the other. We won't will not face God. We're like God, and then we'll ask the question, God, where are you now? Folks, we tend to forget the times that God has helped us. We forget the times that God has healed. We forget the times that the cabinet was empty, but somebody came by the house and dropped off some food. We forget the times that the bills were coming due and Almighty God made a way for His people. We forget how many times God has helped us even in the midst of rebellion and in the midst of serving Him both. We forget God. We forget the times that He's helped us. We forget the times that He saved us. If we believe that God saved our souls, why do we not believe God can take care of us in the meantime? If we believe that God saved our souls as unworthy as we are, as as sinful as we are, as wicked and as evil and as mean and as nasty as some of us have been in our unregenerated lives, if we believe God would come 
come to where we were and save our souls. Why do we not believe that he would that he would sustain us until the very end, especially when we have the scripture that says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus said himself, I will give you go with you always, even to the end of the world. Why do we let these things pass us by? Why do we put them in the back of our mind? Knowing who God is. Jonah fled from God, knowing good and well who God was. Knowing good and well that he was the creator. Knowing good and well that he controlled the seas, that he made the earth, that he could control all these things. Verse 2 again. And said I, he, he prayed unto the Lord in verse one, uh, 1 of chapter 2, out of the fish's belly. Verse 2, and said, I cried by reason of mine, mine affliction unto the Lord. Folks, if your affliction doesn't produce a cry unto God, there's something bad wrong. That's when we pray the most earnestly, is it not? That's when we pray the most fervently, is it not? You let one of them youngins get sick sometimes. You see how fervent your prayer becomes. You let mama or daddy get sick. You let somebody get in a car crash. You let somebody go down with a heart attack or get a bad report from the doctor, a bad diagnosis. You let these afflictions get in the way of your life and you see how fervent your prayer becomes to God. It should be that fervent and that emotional and that everything to God every time we speak to the Father. We should mean it. We should mean it. Because of his affliction, he cried to the Lord. Well, praise God, I would have too. I would have too. And he heard me, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Thank God. Out of the belly of hell yeah. cried I. And he heard us my voice. Now there's some people that think Amen. that's scripture as well as a couple of other uh, verses that are in this same passage of scripture. And they will say that Jonah died while he was in the belly of the fish. Yeah, Folks, you can read. You can read. You can come up with your own decisions. You can come up with whatever you want to come up with there. All I read is that Jonah was swallowed and then he prayed. I don't read nothing about much time going by there. I don't read. I don't read anything along those lines. But it says, and then he prayed unto God. And it says, out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Hey, folks, it don't matter what kind of hell you might feel like you're going through in your life. It don't matter what come your way out of the belly of hell. God heard the man Jonah and out of the belly of hell he can hear your cry. He can hear my cry. He can hear anything that we have to say to him regardless of where we are. We can be driving down the road and speak to God. We can be in church and speak to God. We can lay in bed and speak to God or we can be in the very belly of hell and speak to our father and he will hear the cry of his children he will hear our cry praise God he says thou heardest my voice for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas thou hast cast me into the deep God has cast me into the deep Jonah said thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas and the floods come past me about all thy billows and thy waves have passed over me. You, God, have put me here. 
Dear God, have put me in this ocean. Folks, I can read word for word for you in chapter 1 where those men picked up Jonah and they're the ones that threw him in the water. Jonah doesn't recognize that those men are on that boat. They're sailing safely to Tarsus by this point. He says, he says, I'm in the middle of your seas and your billows and your waves have come over top of me. Hey, Jonah recognized that he was in the shape that he was in and he was in the predicament that he was in because of his own rebellion against God because of his own indecision against God because of what he would not do for God that's what put Jonah there and Jonah recognized that what kind of shape would the church be if we recognize why am I in this shape why is this happening? I ain't saying it's always because of sin. And I ain't saying it's always because of rebellion. You look at Peter over in the Gospels. When Jesus comes out there to the disciples on the water. And Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid us me that I come to thee. There wasn't no sin there. He said, Lord, if that's you, I want to come out there with you. The Lord said, come. Come on out of here. Peter stepped out. We know the account. The waves became boisterous. Peter took his eyes off Christ, went down in the water. My goodness, we just read this eloquent prayer that Jonah prayed using a lot of the psalms, using at least three of the psalms that we find in Scripture in his prayer. A very eloquent prayer. Peter prayed that same prayer in three words. He said, Lord, save me! Lord, save me, eh, folks, regardless of your circumstance, your situation, regardless of your diagnosis, your sickness, or, or anything else that's going on in your life. Hey, you can pray the same prayer that Peter prayed that he will deliver. He may not deliver you completely here in this life, but there is a deliverance that is promised to me in the scriptures to be delivered from all pain, from all death, from all tears, from all sadness, from all sorrow forever more. That's the deliverance that I am looking to. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God's got work for us here. Yeah, yeah he'll deliver us. He's going to sustain us. He's going to take care of us. And he's got other places for us to go to. Yes, he'll deliver us. I brought up the fiery furnace just a little while ago. You think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were looking forward to going into that furnace? Mm -hmm. I don't. No. I don't think they're looking forward to it. I don't think Jesus was looking forward to the cross. I don't think Daniel was looking forward to the lion's den. I don't think any of these things. But they had faith in Almighty God. That's right. They had faith in God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My goodness, what they tell the king? They said, they say, you go ahead, you heat up that furnace. That's all great and fine. Well, our God is able to deliver right. us. He is able. But whether he does or whether he does not, we will not bow down to your image. Right. We will not bow down to that which, uh, which uh, you want us to. We will not serve your idols. We will not bow down to you or anything else in this Babylonian kingdom. They said, yes, God can, can deliver, but it's no guarantee that he will. As far as the physical realm goes, but my goodness, spiritual deliverance—that's the one I'm looking forward to. Amen. 
I appreciate God's physical deliverances he has for me, he has for y'all. We've heard a couple of testimonies about it this morning, about physical deliverances that God has performed in the lives of his people. But I look forward to the, the ultimate spiritual deliverance. I've done, been delivered once spiritually. I've done been released out of the bondage of sin, praise God. I've done been brought up out of Egypt, and I'm in this world right now, and I'm making my way toward Canaan. I'm making my way toward, toward that home that God has promised to those that love him, those that obey him, those that have trusted in Jesus Christ, and those that have repented of their sins. That's the ones that are going home after a while, and that's the ones that are promised that ultimate spiritual delivery. Amen. Hallelujah. Thou hast cast me into the deep, and in the midst of the seas, and the floods can pass me about in thy billows and thy waves. That's told me. Jonah recognizes where this has come from. Then I said, I am cast out of thy side, yet I will look again toward the holy temple. How lost would we feel? Listen, Jonah was God's man. God help me to never have to say what Jonah said. Then I, then I said, I am cast out of thy side. He was cast overboard. The fish swallowed him up. Now the fish is on its way to the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea mm -hmm. over there where they were at. He says, I'm cast out of your sight, God. He says, but, or yet, I will look again toward the holy temple. Well, what difference does that make, folks? I praise God that I don't have to look toward Jerusalem when I pray. Yeah. It don't matter if I'm facing north, south, east, or west. God can hear my prayer. What significance was this to Jonah when he said, yet will I look toward thy holy temple? Yet will I look there? Hey, folks, what was the temple there for? That's where God dwelled. That's where he knew that God was. This was a Hebrew man, and he had Hebrew roots, and he knew the Hebrew scriptures, and he knew that Almighty God had the tabernacle made that he could abide with his people through the wilderness, and he knew the job of the temple was to have a place where God could inhabit and dwell with his people here on earth. And he said, I will look toward the holy temple. He said, I might be cast out of your sight. I might be buried under water. I might be in a fish. But praise God, I know you're still there, God. I know you're there in the temple. And I know you can hear my cry. Right. Hallelujah. He says, he says, I'm cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward my toward thy holy temple. The waters can pass me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped up about my were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. You get low in that sea. You get low in that water. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Yes, that's not brought up my life from corruption. What is corruption? What's the corruption you've been talking about? That would be death. He said, I was as good as dead. I was down there at the bottom of the ocean. Those sailors tossed me overboard. They tossed me into the sea. As far as they were concerned, I was dead. They may have been back to Tarsus by that point, and they may have been spreading the rumor, hey, there was this Hebrew man that was with us on the boat, and this huge tempest blew up, and he told us to cast him overboard. He's out there in the middle of the Mediterranean now, and he's as good as dead. There was a big fish that swallowed him up, and he, he is dead to the
the world now. But Jonah here says that Almighty God has raised up his life. He has raised him from corruption. He wouldn't let him die. Hey, if you're here lost today, I will tell you now, the Bible teaches you are dead in your trespasses and your sin. It doesn't say you're sick. It doesn't say you're in need. It doesn't say you're weary. It doesn't say you're tired. The Bible says you are dead. Amen. And the one that the Bible also says is the way, the truth, and the life is the only yeah. one that can bring you out of that state. Amen. He's the only one that can rescue yeah. you. He was the only one that could rescue Jonah here. He's the only one that could save Jonah from the corruption of death. And that same God that same God that saved this man, this true account that we read in the scriptures. The same God is the same one that rescued my soul from hell one day. This is the same God that saved my soul from a hell that I deserve. It's the same God that came to where I was in my sin and my rebellion against God. He came to me. He saved my soul. And he has kept me ever since. Praise God. Amen. Amen. That's what God does for his people. With my soul fainting within me, I remember the Lord. With my soul faint, my goodness, we've been talking about the tempest, the man being tossed overboard. We've been talking about him being in a fish's belly. We've been talking about him looking toward the holy temple of God. We've been talking about all these things. He says, when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord. How many times does that happen to you, Christian? How many times does that happen to you, Christian neighbor, Christian brother, Christian sister? As soon as you think that you can't take not one drop more of this life, not one drop more of this world, as soon as you think you've taken all of that bitter cup that you can have, when your soul is fainting within you, hey, that's when the Holy Ghost of God will stir something in your heart. He will stir something in your mind, and you will remember the Lord, your God that saved your soul from hell. And you'll remember, I can call on God. When nobody else is around, I've heard him testify about this morning twice. When nobody else is around, I can remember the Lord. When all is going wrong in my life, I can remember the Lord. And I can call upon the Lord. And he will hear my cry. He saved me from corruption, praise God. He says, he remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. Once again, Jonah, we're going to recognize that as being where God was. Where he was. Now, Jonah would have been familiar with, uh, with Solomon saying that the heaven of the heavens cannot contain thee. He would have been familiar with just how big God was. He would have understood that. Because it's all over the Old Testament how big God is. But he still recognized the temple as being where God where God was at this time. He said, And my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. This is a strange line that just almost seems like it's just thrown in there in the middle of this very eloquent, very elegant prayer. That, uh, that Jonah is making unto God. A very, very odd line. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. What, what would have prompted Jonah to have done that? Well, folks, he's at the bottom of the sea, inside the, inside the belly of a fish. 
and he's been praying to God and he knows that God has heard his prayer and he just got through saying you saved me from corruption God and he says they that observe lying vanities they forsake their own mercies hey Jonah uh, Jonah has confidence in God he has assurance in God that God is going to deliver him out of this situation but he says they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies hey folks he's thinking back to the men on the ship those that had multiple gods those that did not worship the Hebrew God Jehovah God such as, such as Jonah did he said they that observe lying vanities he's talking about idol worship he's talking about those who are idolaters and they worship statues they worship false deities they worship everything except for Jehovah God he says they forsake their own mercy they forsake their own loving kindness that is shown toward them they forsake salvation that is shown toward them. It is no different nowadays that people forsake their own mercy. They forsake the mercy that God has extended. My Bible teaches Jesus died for all. He died for everyone. That's what my Bible says. That's what I'm going to stick with. They forsake that mercy. And it is their own mercy they are forsaking. It is theirs for the taking. If they look to Christ and they live, they look to Christ and they believe the gospel and they repent of their ways, that mercy is theirs. But they're forsaking it. I think Jonah was reflecting back to what he had come from when he was still above water. When he just kind of threw, threw that line in there seemingly out of nowhere. But it fits perfectly when you take it in their respect. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Amen. He recognized where salvation was coming from. And once again, he already had assurance. He had assurance that this was going to be the case that God would deliver him. He says, I, I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. In other words, hey, Lord, I don't have a sacrifice down here in this fish his belly with me right now. He was looking forward to the time that God would deliver him from the situation that he was in. Hey folks, we can do that now. You praise God through your storms. You praise God through your hard times. You praise God through the disease. You praise God through all of these things. Hey, there's an account of a king called Jehoshaphat and he had to seek the Lord because the enemy was coming and the Lord gave assurance that the enemy would be delivered unto him and Judah and what happened? Je Jehoshaphat calls for a praise to be given unto God. He calls for fasting. He calls for praying. And he calls for praising God. And the battle hadn't even happened yet. Right. But yet they were praising God right. for the victory that was coming. For the victory that had been promised. Folks, we've got victory. It's done been won. Right. It's done been one year. We got some battles we gotta fight down here. The war has been won by Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I'm he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. Hold the keys of hell and of death. He is victorious <clears throat> over hell. He is victorious over death. The war has already been won. Yes, we've got some battles as good soldiers of Jesus Christ down here. He knew that we would fight those battles, but we've got a general, we've got a leader that is in control of everything move that the enemy makes he knows it before him and he will not let his people perish hallelujah Amen. hallelujah I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving because he had assurance of deliverance folks 
How many times will we praise God while we're fighting the battle? While we're fighting the battle, think about David. We all know David Bathsheba is a town. A baby was born out of an adulterous relationship. Baby dies. The whole time the baby's sick. David's countenance is sad. He's moping around, and I would have to. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying he was wrong in doing that. But when the baby died, what happened to David? He rose up. He washed himself off. He got dressed, and he went to the house of God to give worship. When the battle was over, when there was nothing else he could do, David said, I, uh, 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 he cannot come to me, but I can go to him. He, he understood. He had assurance of that. Folks, he was praising God right after a child passed away. My goodness, could I do that? Could I do that? I don't know. I hope I never have to find out. But folks, that was a battle that was going on. And, and after, after all was said and done, he washed himself off, he clothed himself, and he went up to the house of God to worship. He didn't let it get in the way. He didn't say, I ain't going to church this Sunday or this Sabbath or whatever the case was or is. We can fast forward it to our times. My goodness, a drop of rain comes out of the sky. And most people say, well, I can't go to church now. And now it's raining outside. Or they're calling for rain tomorrow. I can't go to church today. My goodness, that the excuses that we come up with to not go to the house of God and worship the one that brought salvation. Shame on us. Shame on us. We ought to be doing like Jonah. Offering up a sacrifice with a voice of thanksgiving. I ain't saying we got to bring lambs and goats in here and sacrifice them on the altar. Praise God. The perfect lambs done with sacrifice. There will be no other sacrifice. The Bible says, neither by the blood of goats nor the blood of bulls, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can mediate between God and man. He is the only one that, that could be the propitiation for your sin and for mine. And his is the only sacrifice that God the Father will accept. Can't accept it. He won't accept anything that I do. I will pay that that I vow. Salvation is of the Lord. The Lord spake unto the fish and then vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. It's all it took. It took God to make that fish. It took God to prepare that fish to swallow Jonah. And it took God to prompt that fish to vomit him out on the dry land. But folks, you read in the second verse of chapter 2 that we read. Jonah already had assurance. He already had assurance from God. He was going to be fine. In chapter 2, we just read 10 verses, or in, in verse 2 of, ch uh, of chapter 2. We read 10 verses of that chapter, but that early on, he had assurance from God that all would be well. Folks, we've got 66 books here. And in every one of those books, everyone, no matter how dark you're going to those books seem, even the book of Revelation, even the book of Obadiah, even some of the darkest books that are in Scripture, we still have salvation somewhere in those pages. We still have the promise of redemption in those pages. Granted, over in the Old Testament, most times that salvation was, was pictured in the Jews, the folks that, that goes on over in the New Testament, those pictures are fact for us, the church, those that have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
God. That those pictures are applied to us just as it applied to the Jews in the Old Testament. I ain't saying that the promises to the Jews are transferred to the church. I'm saying that salvation, as Jonah said, is of the Lord. Amen. And if a Jew gets saved, it will get saved the way me, a Gentile, did. Wow. Salvation is of the Lord. Amen. And the Lord is salvation. Something I want to point out, and I didn't do it while I was preaching. I'm about done preaching. In Acts chapter 10, you read about a man named Peter. You read about a man named Peter, you read about another man named Cornelius, a Gentile. What was, what was Peter's problem with going to Cornelius? Cornelius was a Gentile, Peter was a Jew. He was in the same boat that Jonah was. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want that bunch of Gentiles to be saved. You read them uh, within the last couple of uh, verses of the book of Jonah. There's 120,000 people in that city of Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want one of them to get saved. Peter didn't want to go to one man's house, Cornelius. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he was a Gentile. Acts 10 is where you see the, 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 the picture of a sprag coming down out of the heavens. And on it was all manner uh, of food and all manner of meat. And God said, slay and eat. Peter's problem was he didn't want to go preach to a Gentile. The same thing that Jonah was guilty of. The same exact thing. <clears throat> Don't you think for one second, though, that as Peter was convicted by God, for not wanting to go preach to a Gentile. Don't you think for one second that Peter, being a Jew himself and being somewhat familiar with the scriptures, didn't think of Jonah? Where did this originate? Where did this whole account originate of Jonah? It was in a place called Joppa. Where was Peter? He was in a place called Joppa. It was the exact same town, the exact same reasons, the exact same scenario from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the same thing went on. I don't want to preach to a Gentile. But God showed both of them in different means. He showed Jonah by letting them get swallowed up by a fish. He showed Peter in a vision of, of, of the spread coming down out of the heavens. That was filled with this food that Peter said, that'll never go in my mouth. That'll never touch my lips. I will not defile myself with this stuff that the Gentiles eat. Folks, the trial you go through may not be the same as the one that I go through. Our trials will be different. Sometimes God uses the same thing, though, in different ways. As far as the church goes, my goodness, you, you look at something as simple and as popular in the Scripture as the Red Sea. You look at the Israelites on one side of the Red Sea and Pharaoh and the Egyptian armies coming in from behind them. And they're screaming out to Moses. They're saying, you brought us out here just so that we would be slaughtered by this bunch of Egyptians here. And God parts the Red Sea. And the Israelites, they go through the Red Sea and they get across to the other side. Hey, from what I read in the scriptures, the Red Sea was a wall on the right and it was a wall on the left of those Israelites. But that same Red Sea became a grave for Pharaoh and his army, the same water that stood as a wall between death for the Israelites it became death for someone else. God can use the same means for different purposes. That's right. For different purposes. God might use your trials. And ten years from now, you might be able to testify about that trial to someone else that's going through the same thing and maybe coming out to a different outcome 
you can use God in your testimony. The same situation, same circumstance, maybe the same disease, the same illness, the same the, the same person uh, died in the family, whatever the case is, whether it be uh, the, the, the matriarch of the family or the patriarch or a brother or sister. God can use whatever trial you are going through to help someone else, and he can also use it to hurt someone else. Either way, God will get glory out of it. God got glory out of drowning the entire Egyptian army. People don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. God got glory out of that. God gets glory out of it all. All glory belongs unto God anyway. You might as well give it to him while you're here, because it's his. And if you don't give it to him, he'll take it from you. It's his, and it will be. God bless you.